Thank you, Brother Vaughn. That's a blessing. Let's stand and take our Bibles, please. The book of Joshua, the book of Joshua, the sixth book of the Bible, chapter 13. While you're turning there, I want to encourage you about two events coming up on our calendar. Very exciting. Uh, just a few days from now, beginning on Wednesday night, August 22nd, going Thursday night, Friday night, and then Sunday morning and Sunday evening is our annual missions conference. Our theme is taken from Acts chapter 16, verse 9, simply two words, help us. And we're honored to have several new missionaries that you've never met before that we're excited about having here. We have a missionary from the country of Colombia, a missionary from the country of uh, uh, another another country there in, in Africa, a number of places like that, that are veteran missionaries that have been u- used of the Lord greatly. And we're excited about this year's missions conference. And I want to encourage you to be there for each night of the service at 7 o'clock and then also Sunday morning, Sunday night for that. We have special speakers for that displays that will greatly encourage your heart. Then if you'll make a notation of this, Sunday on Sunday, September 16th, we're very excited about having a, a sacred music outreach. And we have... Um, the, the folks from Falls Baptist Church, Brother Daniel Van Gelderen, is coming with about nine members of their orchestra. And these are, these are very, very excellent, excellent um, people in what they do uh, in terms of singing and their instruments are going to become be part of our special music for that entire weekend. That Sunday night will be an evangelistic outreach. We want you to use as an opportunity uh, to reach families and people to bring them that night uh, for the music, the music outreach of that. Similar, kind of similar to what we do for our Christmas musical and our Easter musical. And with school starting, what a wonderful opportunity for our, our college and high school students inviting folks to come, and those of you parents get involved with PTA associations, things like, like that, where you're involved in that, that level, but just to bring people out for that, and we're praying for a large, large turnout of folks on that morning and that evening for that special event. So I hope you make a note of that. Uh, these are opportunities for you to introduce folks to the church and to help them see what God's doing here at Heritage Baptist Church here. Hope you'll be back here tonight at 5.15 for the evening service. I have a message you don't want to miss this evening. It's entitled, Seven Words That Overcome a Cynical Spirit. How many feel like sometimes you walk watch the news, you go through life, you're a little cynical about things, right? Roll your eyeballs, yeah, here we go again, you know, that type of thing. And uh, the Bible gives us seven words that can overcome a cynical spirit. Now, all of us have a little bit of cynicism in us, especially the older we get, the more cynical we tend to be. And uh, you come tonight, and God will refresh us from this passage of Scripture and help us to see and how we can conquer a cynical spirit. Joshua 13, say amen if you're there. Follows, we read the scriptures, verses 1 to 6. Now Joshua was old and stricken in years. And the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years. How many believe today it's a bad thing when God tells you you're old? Amen? If God tells you you're old, you're in trouble. Amen? And the Bible says, Thou art old and stricken in years, and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. This is the land that yet remaineth, all the borders of the Philistines, and all of Gushari, from Sihor, which is before Egypt, even unto the borders of Ekron northward, which is counted to the Canaanite, five lords of the Philistines, the Gazathites, the Ashathites, the Eskalonites, the Gittites, the Ekronites, and the Avites, from the south, all the land of the Canaanites, and Mirarah, that is beside the Sidonians, unto Aphek, to the borders of the Amorites, and the land of the Gibbites, and all of Lebanon towards the sun rising from Baalgad under Mount Hermon unto the entering unto Hamath. All the inhabitants of the hill country from Lebanon unto Mishriam and all the Sidonians, them will I drive out before from before the children of Israel. Only divide thou it by lot unto the Israelites for an inheritance as I have commanded thee. Now can you imagine being old and a little bit slower in your pace than you were at your younger age, and God telling you, you still got much more to do. There's much more land to be possessed. And just to make sure Joshua didn't cut any corners, God lists out from him, verses 2 through 6, all of that area. It was area west of him. It bordered all of the coastline, because that's when we talk about the, the Philistine cities there. It was all the coastline. It was northwest of him, which is now what we call the area of Syria. It was all that area that approached the Mediterranean Sea all the way down to Egypt. It was a wide, wide geographic area of land. And God told him there was much more land to be possessed. And isn't it such a fitting that as we've been going through our study of the book of Joshua in Joshua 13 on the opening day of our, of our Berean Center, and we're looking at the topic, we've much more to do. 
And uh, this this morning, we're just so excited about this new building. And for everyone who was here today for the uh, opening, the start, the going live with these uh, these adult growth groups, and we're excited you're here. And we pray that you'll be back next week. We're trying to think through what we're going to do for the overcrowding of some of the classes. If we're ready to start a few more classes here in the next uh, week or two, but you just keep coming and let the Lord work your heart. But today, let's just kind of get our hearts quieted as we look at this subject of Scripture. We've much more to do, and may the Lord speak to our heart. Now, Heavenly Father, we are so thankful today that you are the God who is. You're the God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. You're the God who still answers prayer. You're the God who's in heaven. You're the God who's the creator of heaven and earth. You're God who's our Father. You're the God of peace who bruises Satan under our feet. You're God only wise. You're God who's our Savior and you're God who's coming again. And this morning, as we assemble here as a congregation, some who are for, for the very first time in this church, others who've been here since the inception, we need you to do a great work in our heart. Quiet our hearts. Cleanse us even right now from perhaps thoughts and distractions, maybe sins in our life, what, what, the, what the book of James calls the filthiness of the flesh and superfluity of naughtiness. Cleanse us from these things and help us to receive with meekness, with a teachable heart, with a heart of humility and desire. Help us to receive with meekness your word, the engrafted word which is able to save souls. And thank you today that what's being preached today is the eternal word of God, where the Bible says of itself, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. And we thank you today that though the grass withereth, and the flower fadeth, yet the word of the Lord endureth forever. We know that this morning that we need to have a desire for your word. As David the psalmist said, When more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Father, this morning warn us. This morning, Father, give us cautions. Help us to watch and pray lest we enter to temptation. Father, help us to grasp the promises of God. Help us this morning to learn the doctrines of Scripture. Help us to understand this, this uh, important segment in Joshua's life. Give understanding. The Bible says the entrance of thy word giveth light. We pray that you'll help establish our path because you said in your word, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We pray you give peace where there's unrest because the Bible says great peace of they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. We pray, Father, that you'll give direction where we seem to be lost. And we pray today that went through it all that souls will be saved. Faith will be exercised in Jesus Christ as Savior. We pray for faith to be enriched. We pray that, Lord, you help us to make solid decisions about our marriages, about raising our children, about our college years, about our teenage years, about, Lord, everything having to do with our lives. May there be no stone unturned. We pray that you sanctify your people through thy truth, for thy word is truth. Bless our time together now, and we'll give you the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Last Sunday evening, we had the wonderful grand opening of the new Berean Center. Many of you were there for that. Thank you for coming. The Lord has seen fit to provide us uniform spacing for existing classes and new classes. The Lord has given us ample spacing for enlargement. The Lord has given us a spacious courtyard and fellowship place after services. We're so excited about what the Lord has given to us here. And we're trying as best we can to be good stewards of this building. This series in Josh has been very timely. Every message. That's been preached in preparation has been right on target to where we're at. And now this morning we come to chapter one and we recognize uh, chapter 13. And we recognize that Joshua's at a place where he entered into that land of promise. He crossed the Jordan River. He took Jericho. He took Ai. And we read in chapter 12, there were 31 cities that he conquered. 31 cities and territories, 31 kings. Joshua no longer is a 40-year-old man where he's first introduced to us in Exodus chapter 17. Joshua is no longer 80 years of age when he crossed the Jordan River. Joshua is somewhere between 90 and 100 years of age. And at this moment of time, God looks at this warrior of the faith. God looks at this great hero of the faith. This man who's shown uh, service. This man who's shown humility. This man who's shown submission. This man who's been a good soldier of Jesus Christ. This man who's been a good leader of the things of God. This man who's tried to keep his home right and his family right. This man now, the Bible describes him as being old and stricken in years. He was up in age. He didn't move as fast as he used to. His mind was not as quick as it used to be. But the Bible says he was old and stricken in years. He still had a great desire, but he realized physically he was not at the same pace he was many years before. And God told him, 
that there's still much more to do. He said, there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. He was saying, Joshua, there's still more to acquire. He said, Joshua, there's more land to conquer. Joshua, there's still more kings to conquer. Joshua, there's more for you to do. Joshua, your work here is still not finished. Brother and sister in Christ, visitor here, members of Heritage Baptist Church, there's still got more God wants you and me to do. There's still got more God wants me to do. There's still more God wants this church to do. This morning, we want to look at the subject, there's more to be done. Notice, first of all, this morning in verse 1, we see Joshua and his unused duration. Joshua and his unused duration. Now, God said he was old and stricken in years, but he still had more years to fulfill. It's more things to be done. Our good friend, Dr. Dr. Don Sis, will be one of our keynote speakers in a few days for our annual missions conference. Dr. Sis just, just turned 85. He still has the energy of a 20-year-old. He's still traveling around the world and preaching out several times a week. And he wrote a book a few years ago entitled Fourth Quarter about being in the fourth quarter of life. Some of his friends asked him when he turned 80, Dr. Sis, you wrote the fourth quarter. What are you going to do now? He says, you're past the fourth quarter. Do you have plans for another book? He said, I do. And they said, what will be the title of the book? And he said, Overtime. Some of you have the book. I have a few more if you don't have that. Joshua's in overtime. There's still more land to conquer, more land to possess. He's at this place in life where he's feeling his age. He wakes up in the morning. It's a little bit, it's a little bit more difficult to get going. His joints are aching a little bit more. It takes a little more time to get going there. Even God told him he was up in years. He's kind of like the story I read about a lady that uh, had to choose a new dentist. And she chose, she chose this new dentist. She was sitting in the waiting room, waiting for this appointment there. And uh, she noticed as he, the diploma, she looked at the name. She says, well, I recognize that name. I wonder if this is the same man that I went to school with. And she started thinking a little bit about this, about the name. She said, yeah, if this is the same man, he was an athlete on the school football team. He wrestled on the school wrestling team. He was athletic. He was sharp. He was tall. He was good looking, was muscular. And she saw the dentist go by and he was a little stooped over, balding in his head, quite wrinkled, a little bit showing his age, quite older. And she looked at him and says, that certainly couldn't be the same man that I went to school with. And so she just kind of passed it off. Her time came when she came to sit in the, the dentist's seat and he started working on her. And she was, after he cleaned her teeth and a few things like that, he asked her, he asked this question of her. She said, he, she asked him, she said, I just was quite, wanted to know this, sir. She said, did you attend Morgan Park High School in such and such city? And with a smile on his face, he said, well, yes, I, I did. And he talked about the team mascot. And he said, well, yeah, I'm a Mustang. And, and she said, well, what year did you graduate? And he said, well, ma'am, I graduated in 1959. And she, with a smile on her face, said, really? She said, I graduated in 1959. In fact, I was in that same class. And he looked at her very closely. And she looked at him. And as he looked at her, he asked her this question without a smile on his face. He said, really, you you were there in 1959? What class, ma'am, did you teach? Were you one of my teachers there? You know, sometimes you look at life, you kind of see people and you wonder what's going on. One of our friends in church, I turned 60 last year and he said, Pastor, he says, I know you got the energy, but you got a lot of miles on you right now, Pastor. Josh was old and stricken in years. What you notice this morning as we think about Josh where he's at in life, he didn't have a lot of time left. But you notice there's the vanishing of time. Whatever happened yesterday, you're not going to repeat. You're not going to live 20 again. You're not going to live 25 again. You're not going to live 15 again. Whatever happened before has happened. The Bible says in James 4 verse 14, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away. What an interesting illustration that James uses to talk about time. He says our time is like a vapor that's here for just a moment that vanishes away. We're like a puff of smoke there. He talked about our life in terms of time. Time goes by quickly. Time is fleeting. Ten months ago, we broke ground and started construction of the Berean Center. It's completed. Time has gone by quickly. Some of us can remember the grand opening of Heritage Baptist Church 
on January 21st, 1999, back there down at the Asian Cultural Center. Some of us can remember a year and a half later moving over to East Oakland and sharing a church location. Some of us can remember the opening day on January, I believe it was January 1st or December 31st, I think it was January 1st of 2001, we had our first Sunday here on this property, way before this building and the building we just built was here. In fact, what we're sitting on right now just used to be a dirt lot right here. It was just some dirt field here. I mean, some of us remember those days. Some of you can remember the day you Walk the platform, receive your college diploma or high school diploma. Joshua could remember his days. He remembered the day when uh, Moses commissioned him to go and fight Amalek. He remembered the days when he walked up to the mountain and was there at the mountainside as Moses was up there getting the Ten Commandments. He remembered those days as, John, as Moses spent time with him, imparting the law to him and giving him instructions about things. There was the vanishing of time. He's at a place now where he's between 90 and 100 years of age. How many would understand this morning, time goes by quickly. You can remember when a child was born and now the child is one years old and two years old and three years old and four years old and five years old and time goes by quickly. And some of you parents who had kids in elementary school, now they're in middle school and maybe some are in high school and it's going by very quickly. And maybe now you're facing that your children are going to college and they're going off for school. Time goes by very quickly. Revelation 10, 6 speaks about when time is no longer. Three of the most tragic words about time are this. It's too late. Five, the five most tragic words about time is there is no more time. We see the vanishing of time. What you notice this morning is we look at Joshua, we see the value of time. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, those of you who know your Bible know what these verses say. It's Paul reminding us to redeem the time because the days indeed are evil. We're told to walk circumspectly. We're to walk with wisdom and prudence, not as fools, but as wise. We're to redeem the time. Time went to a businessman. Time is money. Time is precious. Time is opportunities to a preacher and to every Christian in this room. Time is souls. Redeeming the time means we're to buy up the opportunities we have. I want to encourage you this morning. Don't waste your opportunities. Don't waste your time. Don't waste the best years of your life. Savor your marriage years. Savor the years the children are growing up. Savor the opportunities of being in church. Hey, come to church this morning. And let me happy if you're falling asleep right now. Sit on the edge of your chair and get excited and say, this might be the last service I'll ever be in. And I want to get as much out of the service as I possibly can. Amen. Just sit at the edge of the seat and you just decide when it's time to sing. You're going to stand up and sing with all your heart. And you're going to just imagine when the choir finishes singing, you're going to give an amen with a great gusto. I just say today, time is precious. We must not waste those opportunities. Don't waste the golden opportunities. Don't let your time go by and say, I wish I did more. Time that is lost and wasted cannot be regained. Time that is procrastinated are opportunities that slip through our fingers. Don't talk about tomorrow as if it'll come. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what the day may bring forth. Tomorrow may not come. Listen, if you've got something to do today, you better do it today. If there's somebody you want to tell the gospel to about Jesus Christ the Savior, you better do it today. If you're going to get saved, you better do it today. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring. I'm saying today, we've got to use our time wisely. We've got to measure the value of time. Listen, if you've ever desired to serve the Lord, you ought to serve the Lord today. If you're going to be like Tim and Brother Robbie, you know you're saved and you need to follow the Lord's spiritual baptism, you ought to decide next Sunday to get scripture baptized. If you know today, you've been in this church and you've heard the gospel preached and someone lovingly has told you how to be saved, today ought to be the day that you get saved. Listen, if you're going to get on fire for God and do something for the Lord, today is the day to do it. You see, 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, For uh, for he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. A preacher was, uh, was getting ready for the holidays, and he drove up to a gas station to get his gas. And you know how it is before a long weekend. Everybody's thinking the same thing. And instead of coming very early in the morning, he was there in the middle of the day and he was in a long, long line. And he had just, he patiently waited till it was his time to get to the, to get to the pump to gas up. And the attendant that was there knew the, knew the preacher. And he came up to him and says, preacher, I'm sorry about the delay. He said, it seems as if everyone waits until the last minute to get ready for a long trip. And the preacher said without a beat, I know what you mean. It's the same in my business. And I'm going to say to you this morning, we're not going to live forever in this 
this life. You were born and then all of a sudden your years go by. I remind you today that time is fleeting and time is what we're made of and time is where we spend rest of our future. If there's ever a time to do something for the Lord, consider the value of time. Redeem the time because the days are evil. Young men, if God has been touching your heart, we've got a young bunch of young people that just got back from teen camp and been fired up and energized by the preaching of my good friend, Pastor Dean Miller. I'm going to tell you, young man, if you're going to be a preacher, you better decide today to be a preacher of God. If you're going to be a soul winner, you better decide today you're going to win souls. If you're going to make a decision about spending time in prayer before God, now is the time to do it. By the way, if your marriage is on the rocks and things aren't what they should be, instead of waiting for your spouse to take the first move, why don't you be the man or be the woman and just say today, I'm going to make things right. I'm just saying today, time is fleeting. Let's redeem the time because the days indeed are evil. We see the unused duration. Would you notice secondly? Would you notice the unclaimed domain? God told him, you're old and stricken in years. Now, when God tells you that, God didn't tell him he was finished. Aren't you glad God's not finished with you yet? Amen. You're old and stricken in years. Then he said, but Joshua, there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. There was an unclaimed domain. There's territory he needed to conquer. Notice the promise that God gave to Joshua. Joshua's mind at that moment of time as he had a time with God, his mind went back to Joshua chapter 1 verses 2 through 4. Moses was dead and the the mantle was passed to him and the baton was given to him. In verse 2 of chapter 1, God told Joshua this, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Notice this, every place that the sole of your feet, your foot should tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Notice, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and into the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your coast. God was telling him in no uncertain terms, whether north or south, east or west, I've given you the encompassment of the entire area to claim. And listen, Joshua's at a point now, he's a little bit over 90 years of age, maybe 95 years of age. He's conquered 31 cities, 31 territories. And now he's getting ready to start divvying up the land based upon the inheritance. But God said there's much more land to be possessed. you got that whole coastline you need to get. You've got that area which we now call Syria you need to possess. You've got that area right down that borders Egypt you need to possess. He said there's much more that you need to do. God gave him a promise the promise was that every place that the sole of your foot should tread upon, that have I given unto you. And I remind us this morning, brother and sister in Christ, of the promises that God has given to you and given to me. Promises that are not to sit idle. Promises that are to be claimed. Promises that are for our benefit. Promises that will help us to advance the cause of Christ. Promises that will help you to grow in the Christian life. For instance, may I give you some of them for just a moment. God has given us promises about His power. In Ephesians 3.20, the Bible says, Now unto Him, He that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Jesus Christ said of Himself, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. God has given us promises concerning His power. May I say to you this morning, don't rely on your power and your strength. Rest in the power of God to get you through. God has given us promises to build His church. In Matthew 16, verse, 9, verse 18, He told Peter this, And I, I say also unto thee, thou art, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, He's talking about the large massive boulder. He's talking about himself, Jesus Christ. Peter was a little rock. Peter's name was Petra. He's talking about a small stone. He said, thou art Peter. You're just a little pebble. You're just a little rock. You're a little piece of the picture, but I'm the rock. I'm the rock upon which we stand. By the way, aren't you glad that when you got saved, Jesus Christ is the solid rock upon which you stand? Aren't you glad about that this morning? The psalmist said this. He said, when we got saved, he took me out of the miry clay and he set my feet upon a solid rock and he's put a new song into my heart and he says about himself, upon this rock, 
talk. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, thank God this morning we've got tools that God gives us. We've got chairs we can sit on. We've got an orchestra that can play. We've got buildings that God's allowed us to put up. But I remind you today, with all these tools, Jesus Christ is the one who still builds his church. He's the one who loves his church more than you and I will ever love it. And we need to get on board with Jesus and on board with his agenda and his desire of building that church. But he promises to build his church, which you notice Jesus promises to bless his word. Isaiah 55 verse 11. So shall my words be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. I remind you today, God promises to bless His Word and to use His Word. I, it's our prayer all of this week that the precious, incorruptible seed of God's Word will embed itself in your heart. Your heart is soil that God wants that seed to nurture itself in. And today, even as I'm preaching right now, you want your heart to be good soil, Soil that's turned over, not wayside so we're meant trample on it and not wayside so where the seed is exposed and Satan's birds can come down and snatch the seed out of your heart and not thorny soil where, where it gets wrapped up by the cares of this world and not shallow soil where it cannot take deep root but good soil soil that maybe perhaps that has to be uh, that need to be worked over again fallow ground that needs to be worked on over and over again where the soil is turned over and ready to receive the engrafted word God promises to bless his word by the way God promises that you and I could win souls to Christ. In Psalms 126, verses 5 and 6, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy, and he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with us. I'm just saying to you this morning, brother and sister in Christ, sometimes we sit there, and we sit below the poverty level of the spiritual blessings of God, and we wonder why God doesn't bless us, and we wonder why we don't understand the Bible, and we wonder, we wonder why all these things happen. I'll tell you why. We are not claiming the promises of God. I want to urge you this morning to step forward by faith and claim the promises of God. Claim the promise, Sunday school teacher, that He'll build your, this church. And you claim the promises of God as you pray that He'll give you power for serving Him. I remind you today, God promises to answer prayer. How many want your prayers answered? Amen? We want our prayers answered. But we must come to God under His conditions. And we must come to God under His terms. He tells us in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 11, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For he that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And he that knocketh it shall be opened unto you. What man of you, if he has a son, if he should ask for bread, will he give him a stone? If he should ask for fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall the Heavenly Father give good things to them that ask of Him? Jeremiah 33, 3, a wonderful verse of Scripture given to Jeremiah at a time when the nation of Israel went into captivity. And he wondered, does God even answer prayer anymore? And God came to him and said, Jeremiah, call unto me, and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not of. I want to urge you this morning, right, as we're getting towards the, the tail end of the summer, go to have a life of prayer. Know that God answers prayer and gives us promises for His prayers. Notice something else. God wants to bless our faith. He promises to bless our faith. One of our recurring verses we look over and over again is the importance of faith from Hebrews eleven six. Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Mo, this morning I urge you today, as Joshua was standing there looking at all this land he needed to conquer, he looked at knowing that he had, didn't have a lot of years left, he had to get it done. There's something God wants you to do. There's something God wants you to accomplish with your life. You have family members that are not saved that need to come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. You've got things that God wants you to do. God wants you to get involved with Heritage Baptist Church in some level and to serve Him and to honor Him. I'm just saying today, we are given the promises of God. God told Joshua, every place of the sole of your foot should tread upon, that have I given to you. Would you go forward for Jesus? Would you claim His promises? Would you ask God to help you? Would you help ask God to help you do more? Would you ask God to say, Lord, I know those promises are true because Your Word is true. You claim those promises and trust God that He'll do something great through your life. Thank God this morning we have His promises. But thank God He's given us a priority. Think with me again about verses 1 and 2. He conquered Jericho. He conquered Ai. He conquered five kings of the south and several kings in the northern kingdom. All told, as we look at chapter 12 and beginning with verse 9 and verse 24, 31 kings in total. 31 kings in total. Listen very carefully. 
Joshua could have used his age as excuse to slow down and stop. He could have used excuse, Lord, I need to rest. I've been working too hard. He could have used excuse of saying, well, Lord, let the younger people do it. He could have tried to bargain with God and ask that a younger man take his place. He could have told God that the battles and the bloodshed was too much. But as I look at Joshua 13, I'm thankful that we have an old soldier of grace that didn't do that. Amen. He didn't say, Lord, I'm too old. And he didn't say, Lord, there's too much bloodshed. And he didn't say, Lord, there's too much work. And he didn't say, Lord, let the younger men do it. He said, Lord, let me do it. And may that be the prayer and desire of everyone in this room. God, let me have more life. Let me have more years. Let me have more energy. Whatever years you give me, Lord, help me to use it for your glory. Joshua stayed focused on the priority that God gave to him. Let me tell you this morning, living for Jesus is a priority. Reading this book is a priority. Spending time with God in prayer is a priority. Getting the gospel to sinners is a priority. Helping advance and promote the cause of missions with our missions conference that starts in a few days from now is a priority. Getting the building debt on that building paid down. We're going to be at 3.6 to 3.8 million in debt when it's all said and done for. It's important that we pay it down. Getting the building filled and starting new classes, that's a priority. Seeing your loved ones come to Christ, that's a priority. Getting victory over a sin in your life or addictive behavior, that is a priority. Claiming the promises of God is a priority. Living a spirit-filled life is a priority. Being a tithing Christian is a priority. Giving to missions is a priority. Sending laborers into the harvest is a priority. Having men called as preachers of the gospel is a priority. Getting to church on time is a priority. Amen. I'm just saying today, we've got to realize what the priorities in life are and live according to that priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall shall give thee the desires of your heart. I realize we have a lot of priorities. I realize we've got to make a living. And I realize we've got to succeed in our jobs. And I realize that maybe our hours are cut down and we've got to do more for our job. And I realize we've got to raise our kids. And I realize we live in one of the most expensive places in all of the United States. And you've got to pay your rent. You've got to pay your mortgage payment. And you've got to get your kids to school. I understand all that. But remind you, with all of those things, there's still the priority that Jesus should be preeminent in every life. That Jesus should be first in your life and mine. His unclaimed domain was his priority. God looked at him and said, there's much land, much more land that still needs to be possessed. Joshua faced his unused duration. He didn't have a lot of time left. He faced the unclaimed territory, but you notice in verses 2 through 6, what you notice is unfinished duties. There remaineth yet very much land to be possessed, and this is the land that yet remaineth. And God described to him every city, every location, all of that territory, all of that domain, God described to him. They're unfinished duties. So pastors, there's more messages I need to preach. There's no pe- more people I need to love with the gospel and get the gospel to them. There's more buildings to build. There's more rooms to fill. There's more missionaries that need to be sent out. There's men of God that need to be trained and brought up in, in, in the things of God. There are children to raise up. There are schools that we need to start. There are ministries we need to do. There are things that need to be done. And listen, you can't keep doing all these things with just a handful of people. There needs to be more involvement of people that share in the vision, Jack, catch on with everything we need to do. I realize we just finished an exhausting 10 months in this building, but the building is only the beginning. There's still much more to be done. Amen? As we look at these priorities this morning, we look at the duties, there are unfinished things to be done. Consider the things that God wanted Joshua to do as he summarized in verses 2 through 6 what he had to do. There were foes that still needed to be fought. There was land still to be traveled. There were victories still to be won. There were enemies still needed to be defeated. There were cities of refuge that needed to be designated. There were homes that needed to be stabilized and families that needed to be stabilized and people that needed to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There was more work to do. There were repairs to be made. There were walls to be built. There were houses to be built. There was soil that needed to be prepared. There were seeds 
seed to be sown and crops to reap. There were wells to be dug. He had many unfinished duties. Joshua had many unfinished duties. And I say to you this morning, no matter how old you are, you may be 16 and 17 and 18, and you might be 60 and 65 and 75. I would declare to you this morning while we're sitting here with breath, there's much more of that God wants us to do. There are duties that still need to be done. Joshua's work was not done. Your work is not done. My work is not done. You and I have unfinished duties. Beloved, there's more Bible to read. There's more praying to be done. There's more church services to attend. There are churches that need to be started in the Bay Area. There's ministries that need to be started in this area. There are relatives and friends who need to be one to Christ. There will be Thanksgiving banquets and Christmas musicals and a sacred music outreach like we'll have on September 16th. Opportunities for people to hear the gospel and be one to Christ. There's the pay down of the debt. There's the faith promise offering. There are victories we need to have. There's more to service for the Lord. There are more disciples that need to be made. More mysteries that need to be sent out. I just said today over and over again, there are the unfinished duties. There are the things he needed to keep doing and working. There's more faith we must exercise. There's more of God's love we must give out. There's more streets that haven't had their doors knocked on. There are more family members who need to be won. There's more work to be done in HBC. We now have 15,000 square feet of more space that needs to be cleaned and taken care of. I'm just saying this morning as we're here today, there are unfinished duties. There's still more to be done. Would you get on board? Would you join us this morning? Would you be part Part of the vision? Would you help advance the cause of Christ? Would you decide today I'm going to win souls? Would you decide today if you're not saved that you'll accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? There's more land that needs to be possessed. God is not done with you. And God is not done with me. God's will for us to conquer more land. To do more things than we could have ever dreamed and imagined before. There's still battles with the devil. More faith to be exercised. They're the unfinished duties. Then what you notice as we close this morning, would you notice one last thing this morning? God told Joshua about his unused duration. You've got some time left. Make the most of it. He told him about the unclaimed domain. There remaineth yet much more land to be possessed. Joshua thought in his mind as God was describing those areas. All the unfinished duties he had. As we close this morning, would you consider, how did Joshua get it all done? Did he get it all done? Would you notice in the book of Judges, chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, as it gives a summation of Joshua's life, would you notice his uncontested deeds? The Bible says in Judges, chapter 2, verses 6 to 7, and when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man into his inheritance to possess the land. Now, we're, we're getting kind of a fast forward what chapters uh, 14 through 24 tell us about. Because he had 3 million people and 12 tribes that he had to divide up the land to. And we have this extensive dividing of the land. It was very intricate, very meticulous. Nothing was left out. There was no favoritism to one to the other. And, and he made sure everybody had their place because they had waited for a long time to possess that land God said he would give to them. And now we get to Judges chapter 2 and verses 6 and 7. And we see, did he get it done? Did he do everything God wanted to do? When, when, he, when, he, when he crossed the Jordan River, he was 80 years old, and we know later on he would live to be 110. God gave him 30 more years of life. By the way, if you knew you had 30 more years of life, what would you do with them? Amen? And he's looking here, he's got, he didn't really know how many years God was going to give him, but he's probably about 90, 95 years of age here, and, and based on that he had 15 to 20 more years, and God says you know, there's more to be done. And the Bible says here that, he let the people go, and every, every man among the children of Israel took their possession. And then notice verse 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. Now I want you to understand something as we read all of that, because I'm fast-forwarding it. His deeds are uncontested. He got it done. He got the job done. He conquered the land. He claimed all the territory God told him and the elders of Israel to possess. They got it done. And when it's said and done for him, when your funeral is done and the eulogy is being given, well, they say you got it done. Well, they say you finished the race well. Well, they say that you kept the faith and you finished your race and now you're ready to meet the Lord. Well, they say that you did well. Well, they say you were a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Well, they say he didn't get anything done. And Joshua got it done. He led the people to more victories. The land was possessed. He, uh, he did everything God said that God, that He would provide him. God did that. And I want to say this morning as we close, you still have more time to get involved. 
You still have more time to do more for the Lord. You still have more time to exercise faith. You still have more time to help help us reach more people and see more people saved. You still have more time to build the next building, possess more land. You still have time, if you're not saved, to get saved today. Maybe you're here this morning. And unlike Robbie and unlike Tim, who could testify today, they know for certain they're going to heaven. Not based upon what they have to do, but based upon what's already been done. You see, if you're living under this philosophy, I've got to do this and this and this. Here's the problem with that. There's no benchmark for good works. How many good works do you have to have to be saved? Where's the benchmark for that? Where's the written criteria for that? There is no benchmark because it's not by good works, it's by grace that you're saved. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Heaven is not a, is something you have to work to earn. Heaven and eternal life is the free gift of God. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And maybe you've grown up and you've gone through life under this philosophy. You've got to work and earn your way to heaven. I've got some good news for you. It's not based upon what you do. It's based upon what Jesus Christ, our Savior, has already done for us when He died on the cross for your sins and mine. When He finished that task, He cried out, it is finished. And all of God's demands for sin were satisfied in full by Jesus Christ. I'm saying today, if there's ever time to do something, do it today. If there's ever time that you need to get saved, get saved today. I'm thankful to have some friends with me this morning that I got to be with yesterday morning and got to talking about the gospel. And I'm thankful for them being here today. They settled yesterday and making sure Jesus Christ got into their heart and they're saved. They're going to heaven. I'm thankful three weeks ago, Brother Tim here, at the end of a service, realized he needed to get saved. And he raised his hand and says, I need Christ. I need to get saved right now. I'm saying this morning, as we come to the end of the service, let's realize that God's speaking to us as he did to Joshua. Let's possess the land. Let's possess the land. Let's, there's much more land to be possessed. There's still more projects to be done. There's more service that needs to be done for Christ. There are more souls that need to be saved. There are more doors that need to be knocked on. There are more streets we need to go to. There are more offerings we have to raise. Let's grow the church. There remains yet more to be possessed. We've much more to do. There's much more you need to do and much more I need to do. There's much more God wants us to do. Now, you think about that, you think, whew, boy. And he come to church to work. <laughs> I understand. But can I tell you about something this morning where the work is finished? Our work is not done. But 2,000 years ago, God sent his only begotten son. He walked the shores of Galilee. He went about teaching and doing good, the Bible says. But his mission was not to be a teacher. His mission was not just to heal. Because the Bible tells us in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And as I just mentioned here, Jesus, when he died on the cross for your sins and mine, right before he died on that cross, the prayer that he prayed in John chapter 17, I have finished a work which thou gavest me to do. And the work Jesus finished and completed wasn't the feeding of the 5,000. It wasn't taking his disciples on the journey. The most important thing Jesus Christ did was he came to earth to die for your sins and mine. The sinless one for the sinful ones. The Son of God for sons of men. A Savior for sinners. Jesus died for every sinner. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Jesus finished the work that God gave him to do. You can get saved today. You can be certain of heaven because Jesus finished what he was supposed to do. And today as we sit here, if you're here as a man or woman, boy or girl, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, we invite you this morning in just a moment here, right where you're seated, you can call on the Lord to save you from your sins, to make certain that it's having your home. It's not enough to be 90% sure. It's not enough to be 95% sure. You must be 100% sure. And it's not based upon what you do. It's based upon what God's Son, Jesus Christ, has done for you. Christian friend, there's more to do. Will you help us do it? You help us do it? There's more land to be possessed. There's more to be done for Christ. I realize we're busy. Hey, but all of us will be at a point like Joshua. We'll be old and stricken in years. The unused time. 
Time is fleeting. It's like a vapor that's here one moment and then gone the next. There's the value of time. We must redeem the time because the days indeed are evil. We must make the most of our time. And I wonder how many today, by just knowing that God has worked in your heart through this passage of Scripture, would just tell the Lord, Lord, I don't know how much more time I've got left, but Lord, I want to live it for your glory. I want to make my time count. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste my days. I don't want to waste my breath. I want to use my time wisely for the glory of God. You see, Moses taught us to pray this prayer. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And Christian friend, let's use our time well. Young men, don't spend your time doing this. First of all, you get arthritis in your thumbs. Amen. Secondly, you'll go blind with your eyes. Thirdly, if I catch you, I'm going to take it from you. Amen. We're in a building program. I need some cell phones to sell. Amen. Okay. But more importantly, you waste your time. You're a married man doing that. Stop it. Use your time well. 5.15 evening service. Be in church. It's not the same message. It's the same book, but not the same message. Grow your faith. I was with a preacher friend of mine in Michigan earlier this week. I preached for him on Tuesday. He turned 50 years of age. He got serious about investing because he realized he'd been spending and not saved anything. We talked about what he accomplished in the last 15 years. He's done well. At least based on the standard of living for Michigan. Didn't waste his time. And I fear a lot of us, I fear a lot of us are investing our efforts our energy, our spirit, our monetary means, we may have, we may be out of balance. And we need you like the financial advisor, so you need to rebalance it. Where are you investing your life? Where are you investing your time? Is there ever time to get saved? Get saved this morning. Is there ever time to live for the Lord? Do it now. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Every head bowed and every eye closed. First, my invitation this morning, when you're seated, we want to be respectful of your privacy. But where you're seated this morning, are you 100% sure you're going to heaven? If you were to close your eyes right now, do you know for sure you're going to see the Savior face to face? If you're not sure of that, do you believe and understand this morning you're a sinner, that God must punish sin? And God punished sin for you and me when He punished His Son, Jesus Christ, for your sins and mine. Jesus was the just, dying for the unjust, that He might bring us to God. And by faith this morning, you can call on the Lord to save you because the exercise of faith is by confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believing your heart God has raised Him from the dead. And He promises His word, you will be saved. Every man or woman wore a gear today. If you're not saved, can I help you with that today? Why don't you call on the Lord where you're seated now? Why don't you do it right now? Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And just like my friends who are here this morning that received the Lord as their Savior yesterday, I call upon you this morning to ask Jesus to save you. Here's what you can pray right where you're seated. Follow me and you can make this, but make these your words from your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess today I am a sinner who needs to be saved. I repent of my sins and acknowledge I cannot save myself. I believe that your son Jesus Christ died for my sins and rose again from the dead. I take Jesus right now into my life to be my Savior, my Lord, my God, and my best friend. Thank you today for saving me. Now, would you do me a favor around the room? Is there somebody here in the privacy where you're seated? You prayed and asked Jesus to save you. Would you look up at me? 
around the room. Did you pray and ask Jesus, say, would you look up at me for a minute? And those of you who look up at me, would you do this today? Would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, I just want you to know, I prayed that prayer and asked Jesus to save me. Would you do that? I prayed that prayer and asked Jesus to save me. How many would say that this morning? I call unto the Lord right where I'm seated for Christ to save me from my sins. Christian friend, how about you today? The words of God to Joshua. There's much more we must do. Just had a day to realign your priorities. Claim the promises. Come on board with us. Help us to build the adult growth groups. Help us to support the church services. Help us to win your family to Christ. Use me. Take me with you. Take our staff and our deacons and others with you. Our good members here to help you to grow in the Lord. Would you do that today? We invite you today. You come. The moment we give the invitation, you come. Come with your wife. Come with your children. Come by yourself. But come to the altar. Spend some time with the Lord. Say, Lord, there's much more to be done, and I'll do it. You can count on me, Lord. I'm going to do it. Just like Joshua, I'm going to do it. Now, Father, bless and use the invitation. We pray that the holiness of God and the Spirit of God would reign and rule in our hearts now. Have your way. Some might need to get saved this morning. Before they leave, we pray they call on Jesus to save them. For others today who need to take that next step, they've been a little bit idle and not doing much for Christ. Help them be motivated and stirred to do something for the Lord. And not waste their time, but redeem the time because the days indeed are evil. And Father, we give you this invitation for decisions we make. We pray for this now, Lord, of you in Jesus' name. Let's stand as you stand. If God's impressed your heart, it says you come forward. Even you stand right now as Brother Vaughn sings. You need to come. Come right now. Find your place. Some are coming now. Some are finding their place. Would you find your place this morning? How are you using your time? How about the things you need to do? Would you do it this morning? Come today. Take one of our altar workers by the hand. Let them know, hey, God worked in my heart today. I want to obey the Lord. I want to do the right thing. You come. We're going to sing another stanza. Don't delay. The Lord might be speaking to you. You take your step of faith forward for the Lord. Would you do that this morning? Father, thank you this morning for a good crowd at church, the people being so attentive, tender-hearted, open-hearted, and letting the Lord speak to them. I know, Lord, that your word does not return to you void. There's something you accomplish in our hearts. And help us as each of us consider what steps we must take to realize, Lord, that you're there for us. And there, Lord, you hold us by the hand and direct us. We thank you today that we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. Be glorified. Be pleased through our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't have a connect video for tonight, but just if you can, uh, this morning, but if you can remember, our missions conference starts August 22nd, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday, and then Sunday morning, Sunday night. I want to encourage you about that. We'll say more about the missions conference Sunday and some things in our messages next Sunday will prepare us for that. And uh, my wife and I will be at the door, uh, right for service ends here to greet you. Hope you'll take a moment to stop by and let us shake your hand. That's Brother Aaron, wherever Brother Aaron's at, you'll come and lead us in closing prayer. And uh, join us Saturday at 9.30. We have our, our outreach marathon. We're going to reach a large portion of our area with the gospel. We invite you to come. Don't worry about what you don't know. We'll help train you and get you prepared with somebody. There. We're going to reach a wide expanse of this area, and we'll start it with a light breakfast in the morning. So you come join us for that this coming Saturday at 9.30. Brother Aaron, come lead us in prayer, please. Let's close in prayer. God, we've been so blessed this morning, Lord, just to have the Brian Center open for the first time with all the different adult growth groups that we've been blessed with the music that we've heard, that we've sung, and especially, Lord, for the preaching from our pastor. Lord, there certainly there's so much more for us to do. Lord, I pray that there's so much more that we need to possess. Lord, help us to take that message to heart, Lord, that we'll be a changed people. Lord, that we could do more for you. Uh, we could do more here at church. We could do more in our families, at our workplaces. And, Lord, I pray that you would um, bless each person as they go home, that uh, you would give them safety, journeys, mercies. Bring us back tonight uh, for evening service again. Uh, pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.